Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Well, today we're going to open our Bibles to the Gospel of John and look at some verses from that chapter, starting in the first five verses and then uh, looking at some others later in the chapter. So, Gospel of John, chapter 10. And, uh, and many of us in the church, uh, and if you're not, please don't feel out of place. In fact, you could just still plan to come tonight and get right into our rooted group if you haven't uh, signed up already. Uh, we would be okay with you missing the first one, uh, but uh, we would love for you to join us if you, if you haven't uh, signed up for that already. But anyway, we're, we're doing something as a church where we're going together through some materials for a 10-week period. It's called Rooted, and, and uh, most of the folks in our church are doing this right now. It's just phenomenal, so we have a special meeting tonight for that. But we're going through a section starting tomorrow called How Does God Speak to Us? And we're really going to be getting uh, unpacking that through this week through our devotions and the different things we do in our discussions. And so I just want to uh, talk to you about that. In fact, the title of my message today is Hearing God Speak to Us, Hearing God Speak to Us. So we're going we're gonna to get into that in, and we'll start reading the scripture in just a moment. Now, uh, we all hear voices, right? I mean, I don't mean that we're schizophrenic or psychotic. I mean that everybody is tuned in and can hear voices. And, and uh, the, the, what I'm saying is there's a real God who wants to communicate with you and me. And there's a real devil who wants to also communicate. And there, uh, there's a third voice, if you will. That's the voice from within of our own conscience. Or sometimes uh, the other side of the conscience might even be the flesh that, that is trying to speak to us. And, and sorting these out is going to be pretty important uh, as we go through this. So, so we want to walk that through in just a moment. There's one voice that's for our good, one for our evil, and the one in the middle sometimes where it's ourselves, we've got to sort out what's coming from ourselves, whether uh, that's good or bad, and there's a way to do that. So we're going to walk through all that today. So in our text that we're getting to here, Jesus compares people to sheep, and uh, specifically people in his church, the, uh, event, eventually are the people who become the sheep, the followers of Christ, if you will. And he calls uh, us his sheep, and he talks about how the sheep that belong to God know his voice. So we're going to pick this right up now in John chapter 10, verse 1. And, uh, and Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. They were a religious group that uh, were, for the most part, antagonistic to Jesus, but they were well-versed in the law and all those things. So a lot of times he'd say things, and they didn't get it. But we, we're going to get it today in Jesus' name, amen? Because we're not Pharisees. So he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone that does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the, by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And then slip down, if you would, to verse 24. Jesus talks about this whole subject, but uh, I just want to pick up these last few verses here from uh, 24 through 30. He says, The Jews who were gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
there are, again, these three sources that we can hear voices from that have direction involved with them. And so we're going to sort those out as we go through this, but let's pray first. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking already through it. Lord, I pray that every single heart that's here would be open and ready to receive what you have for them. And Lord, I pray that, that you will uh, manifest yourself in, 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 through the way of what we're talking about, our subject, that is speaking to us. And I pray that each of us will hear that, that voice that comes that is from you and be able to make sure we know it's you, God. Thank you for help in communicating and in hearing and learning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 How many coffee drinkers do we have here today? How many? Yes, I noticed some hands went up really fast, so you've had way too much. We're cutting you off. That's enough for you. But, um, but I've always loved the flavor of coffee. When I was a little kid, I think, I think as young as maybe five or six years old, my mom would buy, you know how you can get um, Nestle's quick stuff in, um, uh, in a squeeze bottle and put it in and mix it and you get chocolate or strawberry milk? Well, this used to come in a glass bottle, but there was this coffee-flavored syrup that she, could, she bought, I don't, I, it was like way ahead of its time, I think. And so anyway, she would get this stuff, and she'd mix that in milk for me. And so like as a little kid, I'm like, I'm just, yeah, Rhonda, can, it's funny, you know, we just don't, we see eye to eye on everything but coffee, no, uh, but uh, most everything. But uh, coffee, you know, so from an early age, the flavor of it was always something that I liked and enjoyed, and, and I, I, I've always tried to pursue, and I, I used to try to, you know, crush my own, or uh, uh, grind my own beans, thank you for the word, and uh, all that stuff, and, but it was so much work, and, you know, your first thing in the morning, you just barely get up, and you put beans in this thing, and, and I remember, because I was always concerned I'd wake Rhonda up, because she's a pretty light sleeper, so I'd wrap towels all around it, and Bah, bah, you know, isn't that nice? But, uh, but that became kind of a hassle, and, and though I love a great cup of coffee, uh, and I know, I'm going to say, and some of you will go, I don't care, I love it, but I decided years ago to get a Keurig coffee maker, and even though the coffee isn't like the best I've ever had, it's pretty consistent, I like it, and so it's like, that's my thing, and I, God bless you, Mr. Keurig, whoever you are. You make it so easy, I mean, like, and, and it has a timer on it so that, like, by the time I get up, it's already hot and ready. I'm, like, from the time I get up to the time I have coffee is probably about a minute. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, so uh, but a few uh, weeks ago, several weeks ago, I went to make coffee one morning with my Keurig, and it, it was about five years old, and I went to do it, and instead of wa- uh, coffee going into my cup, water started spewing all over the countertop. And I'm telling you, I was standing there first thing in the morning. This was like, almost like I couldn't register what was happening. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, like a lost puppy, I didn't know what to do. I just, I remember standing there for several minutes thinking, what am I going to do now? You know, (laughs) my whole day is ruined. Like a day without coffee is like a day without sunshine as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not addicted to coffee. I just have to have a cup every day. If a guy in the church says, hey, you want to meet Pastor Sal? And they say, let's go get coffee. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, let's go do that. I always love that. I, like, I don't especially love Starbucks coffee, but it's, any kind of coffee is great. And so, uh, but I, I was at Starbucks the other day. I saw this guy there, and uh, he was at Starbucks. He had no smartphone, no tablet, no laptop. He just sat there drinking coffee like some kind of a psychopath or something. <laughs> Who does that? But let's say you're sitting in your favorite coffee shop, whatever that might be, and you're sitting there and you suddenly hear a voice, and the voice says, I want you to go over and pray for that guy over there. Anybody ever had a, a voice like that? Or a, yeah, a couple, a few of you, wow. 
And uh, it's not, not generally and almost never would you expect that voice to be audible if it was God. And, but you, it feels, almost feels like a voice inside of you. And you, you have to think that through. Was that really God? Or was that the devil? And so let's just examine that for just a moment. First of all, uh, let's just, just start with this. Would the devil want you to go pray for anybody? Okay, we got him off the table. Great. That was easy, right? Because in this case, the voice speaks to you and you say, well, that can't be the, the devil. And so, so second, we, think, we might think, well, that was just my idea. That was inside of me. That was my own uh, flesh or my, maybe my own, you know, some voice inside of me. It might not be God. And, and I don't know about you, but my flesh has no desire to do anything like that. Right? I mean, are you with me on this? Like, like to go up to, I don't know, some of you are really good with strangers, and I love that about you. You are amazing people. I wish I had whatever you have. But I'm just not that guy, like going up to somebody I don't know and, and start, wow, just, just too much for me. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. So finally, I want to make sure this is God before I go over and do it. And I've, I've eliminated everything except maybe my own conscience, which my own conscience might say, man, I see something, I want to reach out, and that my own conscience might speak. But I, here's what I think about that. If it was a voice from my own conscience saying, hey, go pray for that guy, and it wasn't God, let's just say it came from me, I, I think even if it wasn't God, when I went over and pray, asked to pray, even if it didn't go well, God would be pleased with that. Wouldn't you think so? That I, that I thought it was God, and I went out in faith and did something that he asked me to do even though it was uncomfortable for me. Are you with me? So that kind of sorts some stuff out right off the bat, doesn't it, as we think about it. But the point is, is how do we, this is what I really want to get after today, is how do we get more tuned in to the voice of God? In our text today, Jesus said, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So, so God is already saying about you and me, everyone in this room that knows the Lord, you know his voice too. You know his voice. That's his, that's his words about you. You may feel like, I don't know if I do or not, but that's how he views you. So let's walk that through. Uh, several years ago, I ran across a story, and I used it in a message back then. And so this may look, in fact, uh, Kelly uh, remembered this story, and he, he saw the, the picture I'm about to show you, or he's about to show you, and he said, hey, haven't you preached on this before? I said, well, yeah, I, it was this topic, but this illustration, I cannot get around this. This is such a great illustration. So, so back in 2013, there was a picture floating around on Facebook of a, a sheep that affectionately got named Shrek, okay? How many have seen this before? Okay, some of you might remember it from years ago when I showed it. But this sheep, what happened was he wandered away from the flock and lived in a cave and then came out and drank water and ate. And, and this went on for six years. Six years this sheep did this. So this is six years worth of, of wool. A normal sheep in this particular area will grow about 10 pounds of fleece a year that they shave it off. This guy had 60 pounds of fleece on him carrying it around. It was just the craziest thing. Show the next picture too. Did we show them both? Look at this guy. It's just like his little face. It's a wonder he could even see. And so he, when, when he was found, a professional uh, sheep shearer came along and, um, and cut off all that fleece in about 20-something minutes, not even a half an hour. It was all cleaned off of him. I imagine, can you imagine how that felt? <laughs> you know, you go from 60 pounds of just stuff all around you to suddenly you're naked, right? It's just crazy. So, um, but anyway... But it, all it took, listen, if you think this through, I mean, it's a very simple and a profound lesson at the same time. All it took to be relieved of that terrible burden and irritation that must have been was just to come home to the shepherd. You hear what I'm saying? And so, so for whatever reason, 
One day, six years previous, when the, when the shepherd called the other sheep and called them to come in, Shrek just wasn't listening, or he was kind of in his own little world or whatever, you know, just kind of like thought, he, he, he thought, well, I, I'd rather, you know, be with, uh, I'd rather go than to be with the other sheep at church, I mean the flock. And, uh, uh, and he thought, I don't, I don't need other believers, I, I mean the sheep. I was offended by what the pastor, I mean the shepherd, did that day. and Well, so I'll just go out and live my life independently, you know. And you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I mean, be in the flock to be a sheep. Catching what I'm saying here? Because Jesus is saying we're his sheep. But we see what happens when someone gets separated from the flock. It's not good. It's not good. I'm dig digressing a little bit, but I'm going to tie this together here. So again, there's these three sources that we hear from. And uh, at a spirit level, we can hear our own voice inside of us. Again, that can be two parts, conscience or the flesh. We can hear the voice of the enemy or Satan, and we can hear the voice of God. Let's talk about that first part first, ourselves. Let's talk about that. You can take Shrek off the screen. That's great. All right. So, so let me talk about this hearing our own conscience or our flesh. We're all given a conscience at birth. Even though we may be raised in a completely godless home, uh, there is a voice inside of us, and, and uh, I, I believe this is very true. You think about your own childhood. Somehow, even though maybe you had never been told, but there were certain things that once you tried to do it, there was a voice inside of you that said no, right? That that's wrong, that there's something wrong about that. And, and, and so people just would just go do things, even though they weren't taught that that was right or wrong, that somehow you knew down deep inside that wasn't right as you're growing up as a child. And, and that voice speaks to us about our behavior. And people work very hard to suppress this, don't they? They, they do. They, uh, people who want no God in their lives can only come to one conclusion when it comes to something like a conscience because they have to say, well, there are no moral absolutes then. There are no absolutes. Basically, you can do whatever you want. There's nothing. You can't say that anything is right for anybody else or wrong for anybody else. It's not your place to do that because there is no guiding principle there is no and so so but but how many know that always breaks down at some point years ago i heard a message by a pastor and he was talking about uh he was uh, at a um a seminar or something about and they were arguing that there were no absolutes and this one guy got up he was an atheist and he said there are no absolutes there, there's no absolutes at all and and this pastor guy he interrupted him and the and the guy who was the atheist said it's wrong for you to interrupt me and the pastor said, how can you say it's wrong if there's no absolutes? You see, it always breaks down, doesn't it? Because somewhere down deep inside, you're going to feel that there's been some kind of violation against you uh, of, of something that you can't quite, maybe you don't believe the Bible, but at some point you go, now there's something wrong. You're not allowed to just take things from me without permission, right? So where do these ideas come from that there is some kind of right and wrong out there? And uh, they come from God, but they're planted in the, the spirit, if you will, of every human being. Every single one of us is planted with an idea of a God-given conscience that will speak to us about right and wrong. So in 2 Corinthians 1, 12 talks about this. It says, our conscience testifies that we have, listened to this word, conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity, we have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. So our conscience will speak to us about our conduct in the world around us. But over time, listen to this, because of sin in our lives and because uh, of, of things that can happen to us, uh, either to us or that we do to ourselves, that we can do damage to our own conscience. Does that make sense? 
we can do damage. And Paul describes this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. He says, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith. By the way, if those were the latter times, these are more latter times than those, right? And so it says, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose, watch this, consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. See, when we sear, uh, we sear a steak, right? Oh, thank you, Lord. That's another <laughs> glorious moment I just had right there. Coffee and steak. Okay, sorry, vegetarians. I apologize. But anyway, but, the, but, but you understand the principle. When I sear a steak, the idea is to keep the moisture on the inside. When we sear our consciences, we end up keeping the voice of our conscience trapped inside of us so it doesn't get out and speak to us anymore. And so we, we go about doing all kinds of wrong, and we don't hear that voice anymore because we've seared it off. Does that make sense? That's what this is saying. So this is, this is when the other voice that's in us, our own flesh, begins to speak up because the flesh really loves to have its way. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? There's a, there's a part of us called the flesh that the Bible talks about. And it's, this is the part of our sinful nature, if you will, that, that we inherited from Adam and Eve. But it, it, just, it speaks to us to do anything from outright sin to things that are just not wise. The flesh is speaking to us about things like overeating, sexual appetites, some forms of depression, uh, seeking attention, anger, unforgiveness, indulgence in alcohol and drugs, um, uh, envy, greed, selfishness. You can make a huge list. You can look at the, the uh, acts of the flesh in Galatians 5. It, talks, it has a nice long list there, but it's not all-inclusive. There's a lot of things that come uh, out because of our flesh. And it kind of goes like this. Maybe, and I'll just putting together a scenario here that might come up, but, but like say we get hurt by something someone says about us, and so we, we go home and our flesh says, well, you should just watch TV right now because your flesh just wants to be fed. And then, and then if you're a guy, you think, well, I'm just going to watch that show with the girls with bikinis what, running on the beach. And uh, for gals, it might be something different, obviously. And, or, but then the flesh says, also says, or the flesh might say to us, well, just go get extra dessert tonight or you deserve it, or go get a bottle of wine, or, or smoke some weed, or go look at porn, or a hundred other things that our flesh might speak to us in moments like that. We don't even need the devil to say one word to us about sin, and our flesh can do just a fine job of getting us to go the wrong direction all at once. If you can testify to something that I've just said in the last moment, just raise your hand right now and say, yeah, that's true. We can. We can, we can do bad on our own. We don't really need the devil to tempt us. We can just go after it. So the conscience was given to us by God, the flesh we inherited from our forefathers, Adam and Eve. And it's not hard to figure out which one is which, is it? Okay. Now let's look at the voice of the enemy for a few moments. In verse 5 of our text, it, it said that they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And, and ideally, believers are so close to the shepherd that, that we immediately can discern and reject the voice of a stranger of any kind, including the enemy, when he tries to speak to us. In real life, though, I'm sad to say, we don't live as we should sometimes. And sometimes we become susceptible to the enemy's lies. But even so, figuring out the voice of the enemy should be easier than we think. And truth is, and hear this out today, the devil can't make you do anything. He can't make you do anything. It's, it, it, the, word, the devil is, listen, he is a liar and the father of all lies. Sometimes he will couch uh, truths, I'll get to that in a moment, but he will present truths, but he'll, there'll be a twist to it where it becomes a lie. And so we have to be discerning, we have to be on our toes, so to speak, to catch that kind of thing. 
But, but, the, but he is just, he's a liar and a suggester. He can't make you do anything. He can suggest and he can lie to you so that you would give in to things or you might try things or go there and do things, but he cannot make you do anything. Even a fully demon-possessed man who had hundreds of demons in him in the, in the Bible, uh, had a legion of demons in him, still, when he saw Jesus, still had enough of himself left in him to run and fall at the feet of Jesus and get delivered. So, so even at that point, there was a choice within him. There's such power that God has given every human being. But the devil has learned to cloak uh, some of his lies and suggestions in religious-sounding arguments. He, he, this is what he did with Jesus when Jesus had fasted at the end of the 40-day fast where Jesus had no food. The devil shows up, and the first thing he says, which is obvious, is, hey, turn these stones to bread right here. You're hungry, and uh, there's actually a place in Israel, I've seen pictures of it, where the stones, the way the rain falls on them and, and a little bit of like uh, staining on the top, they're shaped like round loaves, giant loaves of sourdough bread, <laughs> and they're brown on top and a little lighter underneath. You'd think, wow, that looks just like bread. And they, it's near the wilderness where Jesus was. And somebody suggested that perhaps it was even in that spot. Can you imagine if you saw, it just looked like piles of loaves of bread. You hadn't eaten for 40 days. And the devil comes along. Man, I would have been so messed up at that moment because I love bread too. Coffee, steak, and bread. Okay, so let's go eat. Anyway, um, so the devil says, turn these stones to bread. But Jesus responds, and you know this very well, he responds with the word of God, from, quoting from Deuteronomy, and says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So that one was put to rest. Then the devil said, worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Worshiping the devil is not on the list. It's not on our menu, right? Amen? And Jesus knows that, and he quickly quotes the word of God, saying, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Done. Then, the frust in frustration, I think, the devil comes along with a third thing, a third suggestion, and this case, this voice of the enemy, is, he starts quoting Scripture. This is what gets kind of tricky. We have to watch this. And he goes, and, and so we hear Scripture, and we think, well, that must be God. If, you know, right? That must be God. And so the devil comes along, and he says, if you are the Son of God, he says, throw yourself down for here, for it is written, here comes the verse, this is quotation from Psalms, and he says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's a perfectly acceptable verse of Scripture that we can quote as a promise from God. Right? And so the devil is getting really tricky at this point using Scripture. But Jesus isn't tripped up because, listen to me, he knows the whole counsel and all of the will of God in all the Scriptures. And he isn't going to be fooled by something taken out of context and an illogical conclusion being brought to bear from a verse of Scripture. And, and, and so uh, Jesus quotes another verse of Scripture again to counteract the mistruth of a misquoted bit of Scripture. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So it's true that God will bear us up and he will keep angels around us. He will protect us. I know I've been protected well Rhonda's my angel sometimes. The other day, I just about ran into somebody in my car. I couldn't believe it. I was just freaking out. She said, stop! And I went, ah! But I think that there's, you know, and you think, well, if Rhonda hadn't been here, would I? But you know, sometimes I think that the, do you think maybe the, the, the Lord just, how many have felt like the Lord just protected you sometimes from stuff? Oh, so almost everybody in the room. I'm not alone. Praise God. So, so here's the deal with the devil, though. He took this verse, if you will, out of the framework of the whole word of God. And here's the thing, you can't go around extracting a verse here or there, willy-nilly, and making some doctrine out of it. 
right? This is what gets people in a lot of trouble, and it's the cause of bad doctrine and cults in the earth today. All cults, can, you can point to something like this, where they've taken Scripture, and they've twisted it to their own meaning, and they're off on a tangent, and nobody came along, or maybe somebody did, but they didn't believe them, and tried to correct them with the true Word of God. So you have to take it all as a whole, and you can't take something like that. So the answer to repulsing the voice of the enemy is to know the Word of God and use it correctly as that sword of the Spirit described in the New Testament, not just knowing the Bible, but understanding it so that the enemy or someone else can't take things out of context and get us to sin by twisting the Scripture. Right? That's it. And this is why, listen, this is why rooted is so important in the life of this church, because this is going to help us to go deeper and have the knowledge we need to combat tricks of the enemy like this. And this is why we, God gives pastors and teachers, you know, I don't know if you feel this way about me, but God says, I'm a gift to you. Oh, no, 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 I wasn't looking for that. But I'm just saying, God gives gifts to the church, and one of them he gives are pastors and teachers. Pa- uh, Debbie is another pastor in our church. This woman has so much stinking wisdom in her pinky, it's amazing. Rhonda, the same way. Any, any of our pastors, can't, anybody could get, of our pastors could give you something to help you in the Word of God. And that's, what, that's a gift that we've been given so that we can better discern the voices that we're hearing. And this, again, is why sheep need to stay with the flock so they can be taught, and why it's important. We know that the Word of God, God is easy to, dis- when we know the Word of God is what I mean, is it's easy to discern what the devil is trying to say is wrong because we know the full Word of God. We heard it, I heard Pastor Sal talk about that, and, and you know, we're not going to just take something out of context, we're not going to go that way. So at the end of the day, there's one voice and one voice alone that we want to hear super clear, and that is the voice of God. you agree? So, so, here again, we see that the Word of God is going to be key to this. This Bible that whether you bring it in an electronic version or whether you have a... By the way, if you're a young person, I know you're wrapped up in your electronics, but could I recommend that you get one of these in paper? I know that's really old-fashioned. Forgive me. As I get older, I use the electronic version all the time. But, it, but there's something about physically holding the Word of God in your hand and knowing where stuff is on the page, I guess I'd say, right? That, that I grew up on this, and I tell you, the preciousness of this Word, the Bible, is so amazing. But we study the Word. We meditate on it. We think about it. We kinda, uh, the word meditate in the New Testament means to chew the cut. It just keep ruminating over it and over it. And, and, and so, but there's another way to hear from God besides His Word. That's the best, and, the, and everything He will say other than that will always agree with the properly interpreted Word of God. Are you with me? But, but hearing the, the day-by-day voice of God, actually just yesterday, I mentioned this to a group earlier, and I wasn't going to share this, but I feel like I should. Uh, just yesterday, I was sitting in my office, and I'm already thinking Easter, right? <laughs> like, my mind is already months ahead thinking about, uh, God, what do you want us to do? We always seem to have like a theme to Easter. We kind of wrap things around that. We do some, maybe some advertising or some posters or banners and different things. And so you always want to have something that sounds fresh and interesting and captures people's attention. And I was just sitting there thinking, and I, I didn't pray out loud with my lips. There, you, if you'd have been in my office, you wouldn't have heard anything. But in my mind, I was kind of voicing a little bit to God. And I'm saying, God, what, what do you have for us this Easter? And immediately a phrase came to my mind in that moment, and I don't, I don't know how, you know, I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but uh, we'll save that for later. No, no, it's okay, but you'll, you'll know, but I immediately knew that was right for us for Easter, and then immediately all these scriptures started coming to my mind that, that agreed with that statement, and then, uh, you know, as I've gotten more and more into this, and just 
what, 24 hours later now, I'm already just so jazzed about Easter. Because, but, but here's why. Not because I came up with something, but because God spoke something to me. Okay? So that's what I want to hear. And so, so many times we go through our lives selfishly, spending very little time in prayer or even noticing God at all. And, and by my example, I just want to tell you, there are, there are like formal times of prayer. Maybe we're on our knees or we're talking to God. But, but Paul said, I pray at all times. And so there's something about just being in the Spirit, just living life where you kind of have this open communication. Maybe nothing's being said, nothing's being heard, but there's this open communication where I'm hearing from God, where, where He's hearing from me, and we're just we're in relationship and that all has to do with my proximity to the shepherd verse 4 says when he has brought out all his own he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice and so if the holy spirit if the lord is leading in a direction if i'm just following him i'm always close to the lord and 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 we can say things between us and we can communicate back and forth but but it's just because of my proximity if you will that that i'm hearing from him And so how do we hear and recognize the voice of the true shepherd? Well, when we're close to him, we're going to know the difference. We'll know the one that's leading us into green pastures. We'll know the one that's leading us by still waters. We'll know the one who's keeping us from danger at times. You understand what I'm saying? All this stuff is very valid in our lives. Psalm 23, obviously, is what I'm referring to. And we end up living a life that, that is, when we live close to God, we end up hearing his voice a whole lot more. It becomes almost natural. It, 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 we begin to live a life uh, uh, that is uh, beyond what we would normally do. It's a better life. But we can also divert and we can go off on our own like Shrek the Sheep did and just get burdened down by life because we're just not close to the shepherd. We're, not getting, and we're carrying around this heavy, heavy burden around us all the time. And we're wondering why, man, why is life so hard? And I'm not saying that even as a believer that sometimes life doesn't get hard. It does. But I'm just saying things, there will be answers. And it may not be in our time, right? But the answer is coming. The answer is coming. It's coming in Jesus' name. So one of the, the, the greatest answer, honestly, to getting close to God, being close to the shepherd, is being in prayer and having an attitude that is always open between us and God. Not thinking of prayer as like, oh, I did my prayer. Now I'm going to go live my life. No. Prayer is all the time with God. Him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Spirit's always speaking. Are we listening? Are we hearing what he has to say? People who are drawing close in relationship to God, they will discern and know the chief shepherd's voice, and it becomes easier and easier over time. Amen? Worship team, come on back in. Well, I've alluded to it and mentioned it many times, but again, referring to this Shrek sheep, again, his biggest problem would be just simply leaving the flock. We don't have to have the Holy Spirit speak to us this unique and special word about this. The Word of God has already spoken to this. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, or 24, 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on, that's what I'm doing right now, toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Do you know there's so many people, I, I would imagine, I don't really have empirical evidence of this, but I believe more than half of the people who are believers in our area, probably in the United States, don't attend church on Sundays. And I'm not saying they're not a believer, but what I am saying they're missing out on something so powerful here. 
The, and, and it has to do with our hearing the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord happens when you're hanging out with the flock. More so than when you're off by yourself. And oftentimes these people are wandering off and they're hiding in caves, so to speak, and becoming so burdened down with life and so many things. He says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. That's another reason. You know, you should always have an attitude when you come to church and when you meet together, whether it's at Rooted or you're coming on Wednesday night for stuff or when we're here in the morning, why not just come with the attitude, maybe I've had a rough week, but I'm just going to make sure I encourage somebody else. Do you know you reap what you sow? When you start encouraging other people, you're going to receive from the Lord. And so many times I've felt that when I've come here. Maybe I haven't felt great, but I come in and I just start encouraging others, and then I receive a reward of encouragement back at me. And you guys were so sweet to clap for me a moment ago. I mean, that was encouraging. I didn't ask for that, but that was nice. And that's how we encourage each other. We, we build one another up. All the more, he says, as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah, that day is soon. So again, attending church is critically important. It's not just, oh, it's a good idea to go to church. No, no. It, we don't, and we're not trying to make this legalistic at all. This isn't the point. But the, we're, what we're saying is I need every advantage I can get to knowing the voice of my Savior, my God. And if, if hanging out with the flock and worshiping together and serving together and praying together and hearing the Word of God together from the shepherd, if that is going to do it, then I want to be in that place. And I don't want to miss any time I don't have to. You know, even Rhonda and I, we're getting ready to take a vacation here, and we're already talking about the places we're going to go to church when we're on vacation. No, we are. And that's, it's not because we're legalistic. It's not because we're hung up and that I couldn't miss a day. But I just don't ever want to get that far from the people of God. I just want to hang out with the people of God. I want to hear from the Lord. I want to, I want to worship with other believers because I'm going to be worshiping with them forever in heaven. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Are you in? Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.